Hey, welcome along to the Brad and Britcast. This is our uh, Wednesday edition live in the 1.30 hour Eastern Wednesday. The next Brad and Britcast in the 1.30 Eastern hour live on Thursday will feature our old friend, Park Pewterball. Yeah, yeah. I almost said it like Oprah. I almost went there. Park Pewterball! <laughs> <laughs> that's funny we'll talk about that yon winter controversy among other things oh no he had already told me that's off limits it's off limits uh i can't talk about the beatles photos taken by paul mccartney that i saw in london not allowed to talk about that the new rolling stones uh, album that's out we don't want to talk Nothing about that, on that. and there. uh jimmy buffett completely off limits, off limits. So. <laughs> We'll, we'll just uh, we'll just talk about the Merrick Garland hearings with him and, and go from there. I'm sure he had a lot to say about that for sure. No, all of those uh, all of those subjects with Park on the next Brad and Britcast. I actually watched uh, these uh, these hearings. They're not hearings, yeah. Because I think the Attorney General of the United States at least once a year, uh, always makes an appearance before the Congress because the Congress has oversight, legal oversight, to make sure that the Attorney General is doing his job appropriately. And you're always looking for which congressperson makes the biggest ass of themselves <laughs> by grandstanding, trying to score points, trying to corner the witness, in this case, Attorney General Merrick Garland, whose credentials so far outstrip those who are questioning him, questioning his integrity, questioning his honesty, questioning his knowledge about the law. It's kind of embarrassing. All right. It really, really, it is, it is truthfully like you or me sitting Tom Brady down in a chair and getting in his face and telling him how the fuck to play quarterback. <laughs> what the hell would he know? <laughs> it's, so stupid. it's so stupid. And, and I can't say that I saw everybody, but of course I did see a, a few minutes of, of Jim Jordan who, his middle name should just be the interrupter because he will never, ever let anyone answer a question without just trying to bulldoze them and turn around the first word of their answer into your lying. And it's just he's such a piece of crap. But there's another congressman, and this is the guy who switched parties couple years ago he's from new jersey he was a democrat and he finally saw the light he finally saw the light and became a republican he thought in order to save his seat because he saw his district in new jersey which is a largely blue but not completely blue state starting to become more supportive of donald trump i guess in that district and he decided to switch sides and it worked. 
He was elected first as a Democrat. Now he's a Republican congressman. His name is Jeff Van Drew. And I predict that you'll see some of uh, his highlights because he was such an ass. He was so inappropriate. He was so over the top. I I just... I wanted to go Elvis and throw the brick at the TV. <laughs> it was just, just horrible. You know, all of them trying to get Merrick Garland to talk about how he personally slow walked the investigation of Hunter Biden and ran interference for Joe Biden and on and on and on it goes. It doesn't matter that the, the whole Hunter Biden thing started five years ago under Bill Barr, and they found nothing. Doesn't right. matter. It's not relevant. What about the last two years? And I guess I didn't see the whole, you know, the whole show, which I think is still going on as we speak. Right. Uh, I guess the the older the Congress gets, and boy, somebody could do this. There are people who are this obsessive uh the older the congress gets in average age you know i think the average age now like 59 or something the more frequent bathroom breaks are taken during these hearings and you know what i fully understand that (laughs) because they can't sit there for three hours anymore like you used to when you were when you were 31 can you uh it's just uh it's just just disgraceful well, I'm sure this is going to uh, really end with Merrick Garland being escorted to the door and probably in, in handcuffs, I think. And then uh, Joe Biden also escorted you, in handcuffs. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely <laughs> right, bro. Okay. Wait a minute. The breaking news from Mediaite. It's apparently ex-Trump aide Cassidy Hutchinson is accusing Rudolph Giuliani of groping her on January the 6th, Brad. Uh, well, she's got a book. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm impressed. She's got a book, and she's going to be making the rounds. And, Britt, uh, my initial reaction to that headline is she's just doing that to sell books. Just to sell books? Just to sell books. Uh, it wasn't even January the 6th of 2021. It was just like three subsequent uh, January the 6th that the lecherous old man fondled her, okay. apparently. <laughs> it wasn't even on the day in question. Boy, the, the more you... The more you hear about the destitute Rudy Giuliani, the more pathetic it is because I believe that the guy who uh, wrote a book about him several years ago says he at one point was worth $100 million. Jesus. He had $100 million, but, but he was a profligate spender. I see. He and... and I guess whatever wife he had at the time was that Judith Nathan, that uh, dark-haired woman that he married later on. I think that's right. She, she, they were spending two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month on their quote-unquote lifestyle, and and by the way, fully understandably so. Sure, sure. Because I know you don't spend two fifty. You you top out usually at about a hundred and ten. Is that right? Yeah, on a on a good month, I try to. That's where I put the barometer. Just kind of right. put the brakes on right there. Yeah, but uh, me and my wife, we we're pretty close to two hundred grand a month too. 
200 grand a month. Well, you know, it was always kind of like, how did Mike Tyson spend all that money and spend himself into the poorhouse all those years ago? Remember? It was like a, it was like a hundred million or a couple hundred million. And he just, just, just was terrible. He was yeah. giving it to people and family members and people pulling out of the woodwork and everything else. And by the way, when you think about it, that in a way makes sense. Mm-hmm. If, if you were Mike Tyson and you came from nothing, I mean, he had a horrible childhood, right? It was just mm-hmm. terrible. And then he came into all this money. And what does he do? He does the, you know, I'm going to buy everybody a house, a car. I'm going to be, yeah. okay. You know, it's sad, but you know what? Mike Tyson in way better financial condition today yeah. than Rudy Giuliani. Fair? It's correct. It's correct. Yeah. yeah. So who's, who's smarter, Rudy Giuliani or, or Mike Tyson? That's not even close, is it? No. Uh, do I have a list? Yes, I yes. do. Here we go. Uh, Vanna White, yes. Auto workers, maybe. Wow. Uh, no, I'll watch the Patriots game on TV. Thank you. <laughs> South Carolina death penalty nightmare over. Politics, politics, politics. I'm sort of thinking politics. Uh, are you nervous, Democrats? And uh, flying while indicted is such a pain. Wow. Uh, let's do the, uh, I'll just watch the Patriots game on television. So what are we to make of this guy who died at the Patriots game on Sunday being beaten up in the in the stands there? The official story that they're putting out now is that it wasn't because he got punched a couple times in the side of the head. Yeah. It's a quote-unquote medical issue. And I, uh, I, I don't like the sound of that one at all. That sounds very cover-up-ish to me because yes you had a medical condition because you got punched in the head or, <laughs> right right or okay so he had an ongoing heart condition or something like that well guess what exacerbated the heart condition that killed him a punch in the head i we'll mean do what it. is going on there what is that uh 53 years old so this one actually hits home for me a new hampshire guy and he gets in a fight with a, a miami fan apparently they've been tussling for a while and as you see they've got some video and i haven't seen the video yet but apparently there's several different angles of him get taking a couple shots to the head and then he's done he's gone flatline nothing to do with that brit what what's wrong with <laughs> didn't you hear what i just said it was a medical issue i feel i feel we're gonna be looking at several lawsuits out of this whole situation yeah I don't recall ever getting into a beef at a, a you know at a big time sporting event. Of course, I haven't gone to any of the big rivalries or anything like that. Um, well, a beef it happens all the time. It usually doesn't turn into punches, and un- un- unfortunately, I'm sure at the base of all this is a lot of drinking. Oh, sure. Okay, and we know that the basis for a lot of the problems on airlines is people drinking. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just is. Um, and uh, I'm not a prohibitionist, but you know, poor guy, poor family feel bad for them. But uh, you know, Bert, that's just the price of admission in America to a major sporting event. You could get killed. So that's just, that's what it is. You can, you can root for your favorite Team, you can experience the 
thrill of victory or the agony of defeat, but it could you could die. Well, I mean, it, you know, again, you live in the greatest country on earth, but if you go to a concert or a shopping mall or a school or a church, you could get shot to death. And, and Brit, I mean, it's a fair bargain. Let's let's compare us to the, you know, at 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 soccer matches around the world, there's never any violence. No one ever. Well, okay, so you, you know you could play that card and say, compared to soccer, American football is a very very safe sport from a spectator standpoint because we know what the fuck happens in well, soccer all all over the world. It's horrendous. But you're fun. correct to talk about the, the the binge drinking before these games is crazy. I mean, and in yeah. some cities, it's just. Foxborough would be one of them. New York is another one. Philadelphia is another one. I mean, they just they they've shown they had a great piece on uh, real sports, which just got canceled, by the way. I don't know if you if you saw that real sports on HBO after all this time. Yeah, wow. They finally yeah. Well, they were that's why they were so anxious to get Bill Maher back on the air so they could possibly pay for real sports, but he couldn't make it, so he can't pay for another season <laughs> of real sports. But they had a really good uh, many years ago, a really good look at just the fraternity house atmosphere before these games where people are just you know buffalo is another one where it's just drunk fest hours before the game hours and hours they get out there and they just pound the shit out of beers Mm. i never had the stamina to do that never had the stamina to not to get to get tanked up before football (laughs) i don't know how that enhances the enjoyment of it what do i know i'm just a guy i'm just a guy all right here's the here's the uh rest of the choices here vanna white yes auto workers maybe um south carolina death penalty nightmare over politics 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 no that wasn't laura england are you nervous democrats and flying while indicted is such a pain do the uh do vanna white because we can finally settle this one for a while i think there were some there were some specific accusations that maybe Ryan Seacrest, the new host of Wheel of Fortune, uh, was not so keen on having her come back and be the letter turner. But now that has all been put aside. And apparently she got a big old fat raise out of the whole situation. Now, here's what bugs me about this, this story. I first heard it, uh, I think, yesterday, late in the afternoon. And it was done in the form of a tease. You know, Vanna White will be staying on Wheel of Fortune. We'll have details. Okay. Oh, I have to find out the details. It's so important. <laughs> <laughs> we have no numbers on this. Yeah. We have no numbers. So she's got a two-year contract. But who cares? What's the... Remember, it was say Jack was making fifteen a year, yeah, and she was making three and had been making three for for seventeen or eighteen years, no raise. That was the story. That that's was. kind of it's kind of ridiculous. That's kind of yeah. Right. That's that's stupid. Okay, so say Jack is about to leave the building, and uh, Ryan Seacrest. We all love Ryan, right? I mean, he is us. Yeah, he we do. Well. Yeah. We all do well. Yeah, Mr. Middle America, Ryan Seacrest. Man who just, he just can't have enough gigs, right? Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's 
getting paid plenty. I don't know if he's getting the 15. I think it's fair to say he's probably getting at least 10. What do you think? At least 10. I'd be shocked if it was less than 10. Right. So she's ready to walk because she's only toiling for uh, $3 million all these years. And now we get the story that she's signed again for two more years. So if it's from three to four, I want to know. If it's from three to ten, I want to know. Should be at least if, eight. If, it, if it's parody with the host, I want to know. That's the only interest I have in the story, and I don't have a lot of interest in it. But that's, and we're not going to find that out apparently because I don't see any any numbers attached to any reporting on the story. And Ryan says, I'm very happy to be able to work with her. Oh, that's sweet. Piece of shit. <laughs> you find him to be less than genuine? He doesn't care. <laughs> no, I want to hear. Chat, you, you know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe chat GBT is smart enough to turn letters. I'm just thinking that. But Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> but she, you'd have to admit she's been part of the show's success all of these years. She, she'd have to say that. I mean, there's got to be something there. Well, you, as, as you know, I aggressively don't watch it. All, all I know is that she stands there and walks around and turns the letters. And I don't know what else. I mean, I, they do little bits I, at the I, beginning. I don't know how hey. that's part of the success of the show. I don't think any moron can do that. But. They do they do little bits at the beginning where they talk about, hey, we're in Palm Beach this week or whatever the, you know they're doing. And then at the end, they have a little happy chat and they're done. And without that, the show you know, is not okay. so captivating I, America. So I stand by what I just said. Any moron can <laughs> So she, she's lucky. But I just want to know whether after all these years, has she gotten parody, even if Say, okay, now I'm I'm going to get in big trouble for this, Brit. Okay, and I want you to stand behind me on this. You're going to get canceled. You know, pay, pay in say women's tennis has been in complete parity, parity with men's tennis in the major tournaments for many many years. U.S. Open, Wimbledon, Australian Open, French Open, equal pay. But it's, of course, not equal work because the women play best two out of three, men three out of five. You know what? I'm fine with that. That's okay. That's that's the way it works. These poor little girls, not quite as big and strong. Me, 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 me. I'm sorry. But they're doing the same thing. They're, they're, they're playing tennis. On Wheel of Fortune, you know, she just stands there. All right. There's no... There's no yeah, I'm just talking myself into hell, aren't I? <laughs> no way out. Good luck to her. She's made. She's probably handled her money more responsibly than Rudy Giuliani. So we're not going to worry about. Her, well, right? yeah, but that's again, that's not that's like the lowest bar. That bar is actually in hell. She cleared that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about it's tough to fly. When you're indicted, yeah, I just love the degradation yes. of these entitled assholes. And one of the top ranking entitled assholes apparently has been University of North Carolina Law School graduate, Sidney Powell. Uh, she's very, very upset 
that she lost her status, her trusted traveler status. You know, wait, I have that. You do you have that? You know the uh, the pre-check, thing? pre-check, yeah, pre-check. I don't. I I've thought about getting it, and I just need to go and show my documents at this point. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know how you get it now. You 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 used to have to go to a place. Yeah. You can't just get it at the airport. There was always like no. A, but there's a there's a place here. You go to Winston Salem, and you just yeah. kind of mostly walk in, and uh, you have to have the documents, and they look at them, and then they. But I love going. the fact that she's been stripped, stripped of that. And you know what? It makes sense because if you pass pre-check, it's because you're a trusted person. You're trusted not to do something crazy. They've got more information about you than the average traveler. That's just the way. It works. And there's another level beyond pre-check. It's a global entry, I think it's called. Wow. Um, and we did not have that. I wish we did because we came back from from London the other day. And the line for people who had the global entry was uh, a bit shorter than the the average morons like us who had to wait for, for customs. It wasn't a big deal. But uh, I assume if she can't pass pre-check anymore, she doesn't have global entry anymore. But you know what? She shouldn't be allowed to fly. She shouldn't be. I can't believe that none of these people has taken flight yet. <laughs> Don't you think? I'm a little shocked myself. I mean, I can't come up with a good counter argument. Oh, no, they're fine. They're not flight risks. What are you talking about? I can't. I'd love to be able to be contrarian with you on this and argue. And there's not another side to this. <laughs> By the way, the... Who, who would be the number one flight risk? Oh, this is a tough question. Well, Trump well, would be number one, wouldn't yeah, he? Why? why... Why was his, Why were his passports not taken away? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what what ignominity that suffers, you know, for him, or how awful that would be for him if they took away his uh, his passports or whatever. I don't know. I have for, no idea. In his case, even if he didn't have a passport, if he is trying to quick foot it out of the country you know, in the middle of the night, he could probably get on his stupid plane and fly to Russia. And having a passport would not be an issue, right? Vladimir Putin happy to have him there as a. Well, that would I mean that's yes. ultimately that's like the ironic great ending to this thing is he does does get safe travel over to Russia, and then at some point, you know, Vladimir gets sick of him, and you know, that's that. I oh, think that wish. would. I'm oh, not saying. Is... I'm just saying in some sort of in in some sort of other reality. Oh wait, well, no, no. Here's the. Here's the uh, network TV or cable news host stupid question. It's our poll question of the day. If Donald Trump left the country, just went away, tried to escape prosecution and imprisonment, could he still be elected president? (laughs) Would you still vote for him if he was in Saudi Arabia or Russia? (laughs) <laughs> I would ask that. It would. It's a, it's a good polling question. It would. In other words, if if the top story right now was Trump disappears, Trump disappears three days later, he he's spotted somewhere, and they they find him. I'm telling you, I you know it. That would be that would be Wolf Blitzer's next question. Does that hurt his chances for being elected president? <laughs> let's have a, yeah. Let's have a roundtable to let's discuss have a round this. Table. Let's, <laughs> 
<laughs> and you're laughing because you know it's true. It, I mean, they can't help you themselves. They can't. They just can't not do it. Don't want to be judgmental. We're we're fair and unbiased anchors. Just asking, just asking questions. All right. Uh, <laughs> South you, now, Carolina, the, the South Carolina death penalty crisis is now in its twelfth year. South Carolina is the state where they couldn't get their hands on any phenobarbital yeah. for executions. They couldn't get it. And they finally got some. This is fantastic. Did they so, get it smuggled in through Mexico or what, what did they do? Of course, Britt, we can't answer the question on how we got our hands on it. We just can't. Don't we just have it and it's good and shut up. Right. Right. I, I, actually, I can answer it very simply in three little letters. CVF. No. <laughs> South Carolina used to be one of the most prolific states in the nation when it came to putting inmates to death, which is why we love South Carolina. But it's had an unintended moratorium on the death penalty ever since their lethal injection drugs passed their expiration date. Now, let me ask you this. How does that work? This is a drug designed to kill you, okay? Right. When does it go bad? Because when it goes bad, what happens? If you take it, will it kill you? Well, it might. <laughs> if you it, take it, it, <laughs> it won't kill you. That's think, bad when it's a drug designed to kill you. I think is. the point would be is you might have to suffer a lot more, and that's directly against uh, cruel and unusual punishment, I think. Not being the constitutional expert that you know some other folks might be, but yeah, I think that's what I think that's what we're going for. South Carolina General Assembly passed a shield law a few months ago, allowing South Carolina to keep secret the procedure for executions and the suppliers of drugs or other items used. Three words: El Chapo Jr. <laughs> the State Department of Corrections director. His name's Brian Sterling. He revealed that he bought a supply of phenobarbital. And how does that work? Where would you like to know? Would you like to know the real answer? Yeah. They have this thing in South Carolina, in Anderson, South Carolina, called the Jockey Lot. It's one of the largest flea markets you'll ever see in your life. Uh -huh. I bet you he went there on the weekend and grabbed some because you can get anything. There. My dad got a duck there one time. <laughs> duck. This is what happened. Uh, the, the Drake had died. So he got him another Drake and, uh, I was a young guy and my dad had a pond and he had a mallard there. And, uh, I was not as a young lad, uh, familiar with the mating rituals of the American duck. And I thought the Drake was trying to kill the mallard and it was really traumatic. Not a lot of you've yet to recover. <laughs> There's no, there's not a lot of foreplay in the animal kingdom. I don't know if you know this or not. <laughs> so, so the animal kingdom is kind of the, the, uh, is all Russell brand all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, so barbitol apparently you can, that can be your one stop shop as a drug. It works by itself. They used to use a three drug combination and, uh, now they can go back to uh, just using the the uh, one drug. Four condemned inmates who either run out or are nearly out of appeals sued South Carolina after the state added firing squad to lethal injection and the uh, always trusty electric chair. <laughs> so 
they've stopped executions because of the shortage of the drug, but they've had the electric chair and or the firing squad as options, but I guess those are considered cool and unusual. Yeah, South Carolina, it's a very empathetic state when you think about it. Yeah, the firing Yeah, whatever happened to the firing squad thing? Well, the ex the executions can be performed if the inmate chooses it by electric chair or firing squad. Uh, but they can choose lethal injection too. Inmates have said that dying by bullets to the heart or an electric shock that stops the heart is cruel and unusual punishment. How do they know? How would you know? You're dead. I know I, your, your next line is, well, if you really want to kill him, just take him up to a Patriots game. I know that was your next line. That's what, that's what you were going to say. Just admit it. No, I was going to say a Clemson game. <laughs> Clemson, Florida it'll state. Be a waste of taxpayer money to fly them all the way up to new England. Clemson, Florida state at death Valley on Saturday. And I think Florida state's going to roll over those guys. Why Florida do they call state's... it death Valley? Because Frank Howard, Frank Howard brought a rock back from, Oh no, they call it death Valley because people die. I want to go along with your narrative. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to inject facts into this. Right. Okay. That was, that was productive. Wasn't it? I thought it was good. I thought there was something to be said there. South Carolina just happens to show up with some Fino Barbets. I mean, of course they did. Why not? All right. Uh, Politics, politics, politics. But you said it weird when you when you entered, you know, politics, politics, politics. Making us think it was you were doing Laura Ingram or you were doing Susan Collins. Hmm. Did you see Susan Collins threat yesterday? I did see it. The the this this is all stemming from John Fetterman having it. There was a relaxed dress code that Mitch McConnell, the sen- senator from Kentucky, had said because I guess Fetterman doesn't like wearing suits and stuff, and he wears like gym clothes around, you know, the office and shit like that. And some people have been just royally pissed off about this. And Susan Collins, the senator from Maine, threatening to wear a bikini on the Senate floor. Yeah, what's that all about? Well, I'd bring it, sister. I mean, what, you know, go ahead. I don't, it's good for you. Oh, look at me. <laughs> Ooh, tatas. There seem to be there seem to be some sort of uh, people that are more outraged about a guy wearing ragged gym shorts than they were about people carrying guns at the Capitol. Eh, just me, maybe, maybe not. Although well, the whole thing. I mean, have you heard Fetterman? This week, I mean, I've seen him in a couple interviews. He is, I would say, about 95, 98% recovered from, from his stroke. Oh, he's he's fucking hilarious. He's hilarious, that guy. Right. He, he's just about completely recovered. So, I mean, how long ago was that stroke? It's been two years or so. So, uh, And he went through uh, depression, and now he's in good humor, and he's the person that, you know, isn't it great that he recovered this way? It's it's awesome because last week they had the thing where they the, or the reporter comes up to us says, "What do you think about Joe Biden being impeached?" And he goes with the fake, "Oh," it's <laughs> like he's having a grabber. He has shitty like clothes for sale on his website, on his official website. You can get like the raggedy gym shorts and some some t shirts and stuff at his uh, at his website. Right. You can buy that stuff. That that would be enough. The the fake outrage over Fetterman not not dressing like the like the rest of them because you know when my senator effectively does the work of vladimir putin 
and completely tries to destroy our military like Tommy Tuberville, as long as he's wearing a nice, that's correct. That's correct. I'm good with it. If he were to do that dressed in gym clothes, then now the, the, the tweet from Fetterman today was if the jag off Republicans in the house can avoid a shutdown and fully fund the Ukraine, then I will, I will save democracy by wearing a suit on the Senate floor. I love it. That is so funny. (laughs) <laughs> the guy's just—he's a piss riot. I don't care what anybody says. And, and the reason that this is good stuff is because he's not even coming close to crossing any kind of lines of appropriateness. He's just being funny. He's—he's he's just, he's just getting the the zingers in there. Um, so good for. Good for Fetterman. Yeah, it's a complete recovery. (laughs) It's a complete total recovery. Yeah. All right. Uh, With that in mind, if the idea of talking politics these days feels like a wearying chore, you're not alone. New study by the Pew Research Center finds that 65% of Americans say they often or always feel, quote, exhausted when thinking about politics. This is an important number. Uh, not because it's do you agree or disagree with the 65%, because this is not that kind of a question. Because remember, one of the ways, one of the main ways that a democracy dies, that a dictator ascends to power, is through exhausting the populace into just giving in and saying, all right, already, I give up, just God. I just worry about the price of bread. I don't I don't care about your constitutional gymnastics. I don't care about that. Just get the, oh, I'm I'm done. All right. 65% say they often or always feel exhausted. A smaller majority, 55%, feels downright angry. Not much of a difference there. And only 10% feel hopeful at the uh, prospect of engaging in politics and uh, only four percent feel optimistic now i don't know whether they've been asking that question for for years or sometimes decades but i'm just guessing that that number isn't that far off from the way it always is and has been i don't think it's that much different uh do you think that it, it went in the uh the 80s the 90s the the Obama years. Well, the Trump it was years, different. That, it was that people felt great about talking about politics or thinking about it. No, no it was it was different though in the eighties and nineties. It's gotten like way worse this century. I think you even you'd admit that it's become more rancorous. We're more divided. Eventually, you can piss people off to where they'll storm the Capitol with guns. <laughs> I mean, you know, things happen when you start talking politics. You could at least. It felt like there was a baseline in the 80s and 90s. There were certainly partisan people who would not budge off of their beliefs in the 80s and 90s, for sure. Uh, fewer of them seemed willing to shoot people for it. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Only 4% of people say the American political system is working extremely or even very well. Only 4%. 23% give it a somewhat well rating. And 63%, that's everybody else, have little or no confidence in the system now that's not good because if you think the system is that bad well you're open to a new system and you know 
those of us uh, old timers and codgers always want to recall the line about democracy being the worst of all political systems, except for all the others. Yeah, I mean, you get there was there was bullshit back in the day. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, when I was a teenager and stuff. They'd have shit that they'd pass in some bill. That they had no idea that they passed. They did a thing they didn't mean for it to do. I mean, that shit's that's been around for your whole life and my whole life. That stuff's been around forever. Some when stuff I- gets blocked up in, in committee or something for no for no reason. Now this Tuberville stuff is kind of historic because he's a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> Because the Tuberville thing is really an extension, a corollary of the unwillingness to uh, ever hold Trump to account from within the Republican Party, which is now underscored heavily by what Mitt Romney is saying on his way out the door and in the McKay Coppins book where he says, all these senators, they all hate Trump. They think he's a moron. And then they say to Mitt Romney, God, I wish I had the guts to say what you say about Trump in public, but I'm just afraid to because I'll lose my job. And we've talked about this for years and years and years and years. And Mitt Romney kind of puts the pen to paper here, which is what job have you ever had? that you thought was so important that there was nothing you wouldn't do to hold on to that job. There was no line you wouldn't cross. There was no impropriety you wouldn't involve yourself with. And in the case of being a congressperson or a, or a senator, the shoot someone on Fifth Avenue standard, well, that was blown by years ago these people all obviously wouldn't wouldn't judge trump for something like that and for all of them to now relegate say january 6th to why are you talking about that we need to talk about the future don't you love that line why are you bringing that up american people don't care about that anymore that doesn't affect their daily lives i'm a republican and I suck. I always, I always had that old story that I would repeat frequently about. Hey, you go to a dinner party in Manhattan. Everybody's dressed up, and everybody's got a cocktail. All of a sudden, I decided to go ahead and just take a shit right in the middle of the floor, right on the white carpet. And then I move over, and everybody goes, "Hey, why did you do that? Hey, why do we have to talk about this shit that I took? We're having a nice time here. Can I get another drink? Why do you have to keep concentrating on that? I don't get it." When asked to describe their views of politics in their own words, 79% use negative words like divisive or corrupt. Only 2% chose positive terms. Among those lines, a whopping 86% agreed with the sentiment that Republicans and Democrats are more focused on fighting each other than on solving problems. Okay, that's a big win for the Republicans because that's the old both sides are equal. Both sides don't want to govern both sides only want to destroy the the other side. Both sides want an authoritarian style government that they're in charge of, and they don't want people to vote who might not be voting for them. It's a it's completely equal, isn't it? That's what that number 
shows. Well, that's it? how that's how the Trump the the MAGA the MAGA side wins when you when you come to a draw. Is because when they throw up their hands like that, and oh yeah, it's both sides. It's just a uh, yeah. And it, that's how that's how Donald Trump was actually elected president in 2016. Yeah, and yeah, he he did this stuff, but oh my God, those emails, those emails were so and Benghazi. Oh my God, Benghazi! What she did, she to her got Benghazi. away with it too. She got away with those. And then when you go up to somebody, well, what what did she do with Benghazi? I, I don't, you know, it was bad. I don't know what it was, but it was it was it, it was terrible. It was just awful, and then it was no it was no good. And she should have done more, could have done something. I'm not sure, but it was bad. And most respondents, 63% say they're not happy with the current batch of presidential candidates. Now, that I have been hearing my whole life. Is this the best we can do? This is the best we can do. These two. I, I've been hearing that for 40 years. Yeah, but it, it was never it was never laced with the age issue like it is right now. And I would... I would hate to think. I would hate to think that, uh, and if, if we can just freeze the health status of each of these uh, two leading candidates, Biden and Trump, let's say that they're approximately the same a year and a half from now. Um, the idea that that Trump would have any kind of advantage when he himself is clearly not just equal to, but probably worse cognitively. That's Donald's favorite word. Did you see that? The cognitively impaired Joe Biden. Wow, that's a good word. That's a that's a million dollar word. Did you learn that at at UPenn? Huh? Yeah. T- tell me, tell me some more about this upcoming World War II, sir. Yeah. Yeah. When's that going to happen? I wanted. So was there. I'm in check. Was there ever any repetition of the World War II line over in right-wing media on Fox or anything? Oh, no. I, I I do think they finally acknowledged the Lauren Boebert thing like twice at 11 o'clock or something. <laughs> I think they finally... Oh, I, lo- I love that when they bury a, yeah. a story like that. You know, she she's reaching <laughs> over and jacking off her boyfriend in the theater. He's going to third base like right there in public. Right. First and- date. And it was their first date, too. Golly, jeepers, man. I've never been that familiar. Well, okay, maybe once. On a first date, though, jeepers. That's something. Well, how do you think she got to be a grandma at 36? And then now, this there's is what's no, killing. There's not a lot of waiting with her. It's, it's, let's get down to it. Forget the appetizer. Main course coming up. There is some serious PR spin going on on, on this story from behind the scenes because she, you know, the statement when she finally was forced to apologize because they found the, the video uh, and she goes, oh, man, it's been such a difficult divorce. And her ex-husband is now backing that up. Like, I fucked up. I'm the one that cheated on her. Blame me. Get off of her. I don't know what they're giving him or what check he's getting or whatever to say this bullshit. But there, there's some serious spin going on in that whole well, situation. I, I think there is good news out of this. This is the kind of story that there's, again, there's only one Trump. There's only one guy who, at least so far, has benefited in the polls within his party by getting indicted uh, four times and having 91-plus felony charges leveled at him. There's only one. She will not survive the next election oh, yeah. in Colorado. She snuck by 
last time. Really, really close. And and yeah. again, it's the old, does this story add to her base? Does no. this get more people to come out? And it it just doesn't work. So no, she's going to be gone. This you know, she's going to be Michelle Bachman. She's going to yeah. be Sarah Palin. Okay, <laughs> they have their moment in. Hey, but she be a, she be a Fox News contributor though. She get that sweet Fox News contributor gig. Yeah, I don't even know if they want her. <laughs> Newsmax, Newsmax is ready when you are, Lauren. That's different. Yeah, that'd be you know if it was like the Daily Show, it'd be great if Newsmax would go. It's our sex consultant, Lauren Boebert. <laughs> that would be that would be fantastic if they did shit like that. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, that's what we've got for today on the oh. next Brad and Broadcast. It's Park Pewterball. Park Pewterball. Yeah, great this writer, last... great guy, local guy. He's within. I could walk to his place probably from here. And for information only, there's the uh, news from the Fed. They are not going to change rates, but they have not ruled it out for the end of the year. Of course, it means nothing in the notes and et cetera. But just I want for informational purposes only, the Red, the Fed has decided to leave rates unchanged. And they've also said they look. it looks like we might just be having us a soft landing, Brad. Well, Britt, you see, if we could just get a real president like Donald Trump back in there. There's the guy. And this was a question that was asked, one of the great questions asked by uh, Kristen Welker of Trump uh, that was uh, shown on Sunday that was asked last Thursday. Um, Would you reappoint Chairman Powell if you were the president? And Trump didn't say one way or the other whether he would do that, but he made some kind of autocratic dictatorial remark about how if we're up to him we'd get those interest rates back down again he would order the interest rates to go back down so just think of every line every norm every bit of decency in the presidency that trump has blown through and you can just add this one to the list. I know nobody cares about this. Why, why hasn't Biden done that? Why hasn't he just ordered the interest rates to go down? Yeah. Well, Holy course, shit. The, the simple answer is the Federal Reserve is an independent agency. You can't. And it's not subject to a president picking up the phone. But in the case of Trump, I can guarantee you that while he was president, he made it very clear um, that his appointee probably needed to... Uh, you know, keep them low. And low in that case was, remember, zero because we had a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, it really wasn't because of Trump. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Trump wants to now take credit for low interest rates as being a positive thing that it's like low gas prices. Yes, they were exactly. low during Trump's administration because there was a pandemic and people stopped driving. So the price of gas crashed, right? price of oil crash but trump because he knows the american people collectively have the uh, the memory bank of an ant they don't know that they don't remember that they right. can't formulate that so they give trump credit for um, now gasoline is is uh, bumped back up pretty high again i think it's again seven dollars in california mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, pushing four dollars in some places around us although i'm you know where we are i think it's still like 359 yeah three three forty nine, three fifty nine, somewhere in that area right right but it's it's going back up and 
you know, you're going to, again, get the, you know, Trump, $1.99, Biden, you know, $4.25. You're going to get that shit again. And it works. Hmm. It unfortunately works. Um, well, that's a nice optimistic note to leave on. Jeez. I just would I would like to point out that again, the genius is all year long. Oh, recession. Gotta be recession. Gotta be recession. There's recession coming. Recession. All, all year long. All year long they've been saying this. More than a year. Some people, some of the PhDs, the MBAs, all those guys on Wall Street, the Wall Street geniuses. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. We're gonna have one. Oh, maybe not, actually. Looks like we're not gonna have one. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Park Pewterball right here. Right here.